most valuable commodity I know of is information. Wouldn't you agree? Wouldn't you agree? I got five dollars. This is a run to the left. How many tackles can one man break? <laughs> You're saying that humans need fantasy to make life bearable. Humans need fantasy to be human. My goodness, that was good. You guys are pros. The bats, relentless, refusing to give up. All right, hit that horn, babe. Let's dance. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Flex podcast presented by Prize Picks. I'm your host, Samantha Praviti. On today's episode of 21 Questions, I am so happy to be joined by the one and only Scott Fish, who you can find on Twitter at ScottFish24. Welcome to the Fantasy Flex, Scott. How was your week seven? Oh, it was it was about as it went about as well as you can imagine, uh, given all the buys and everything. I, I made some some mistakes. I had JJ Taylor in a few raw a few lineups and took him out right before game time. Those two touchdowns. Yeah. Didn't see him coming. I took Khalil Herbert out of lineups. So that's that's where I am right now in life. Tough was matchup. Like, it was a tough matchup. Tough matchup. Damian Williams is coming back from the COVID list. Right. I thought, you know, and at the very least, it was going to be a timeshare in a game right. that I thought that they wouldn't run a lot in. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely a bummer to have that on my bench. And I made just a completely rookie mistake because on Sundays I work and I'm, I was also like kind of packing at the same time. Okay. Totally forgot to take Darren Waller out of my lineup. I know that's sure. my fault, whatever. It's just frustrating. Like stuff like that, that happens like injuries that are up in the air in the mornings when you're setting your lineups and maybe you just like kind of forget to go back and, and do it. I was just watching red zone and like having a great yeah. time. And then I was like, crap. Yep. <laughs> yep. It happens to everyone. Every, like every analyst in the industry has had something like that happen. Every person <laughs> that's played fantasy has had that happen. Yeah. It's a thing. I mean, I know it was a tough week for everyone because of the buys, but of course, like that affects everyone, though not right. equally. Some right. some of my teams, I have literally no one, and I'm just like, I got to get yep. more bodies in the lineup. Exactly. Some of the teams, I'm like, eh, I'm missing like yep. one guy. So it just, you know, kind of just depends on the week and who you yep. ended up drafting. So absolutely. Like that's, that was me too. JJ Taylor, no one's starting him anywhere, but I had rosters so hit that I was looking at guys like him. Other rosters, fine. Yep, absolutely. I was just looking at my matchup in the Scott Fishbowl, and it's mm. not looking great. I think yeah. I need 30 points from uh, Tyler Lockett tonight. So, uh, hope, fingers crossed, right? Yes, I hope <laughs> I hope you get it, and I hope DK okay. Metcalf gets nothing based on my <laughs> matchups. <laughs> You're saying there's a chance. I know. Yes. I, a lot of these Monday Night Miracles, I'm like, I need negative 50 points from, like, Derek Henry or something. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been an interesting year for for sure. A lot of injuries, a lot of just like mm -hmm. unexpected things, a lot of guys just like not showing up. So yep. anyway, we'll just hop right in. Question okay. one. Sounds good. What year did you start playing fantasy and did you win your first league? I did in 1992 and it was a dynasty league. Ooh. It's uh, a long, long time. I was only like 12 or 13 at the time. It's not like I'm, you know, 70 or anything, <laughs> but yeah, no, I started playing in 92. Uh, the only, my, my dad played this, this fancy basketball, big 10 league where you would draft incoming freshmen and you'd keep them throughout 
until they left college. So that's how I knew how to play fantasy when we started playing fantasy football. So um, I did win that year. I won a lot of the years in the nineties cause I was hyper obsessed and, and the people playing with me were, they liked it. Okay. But I was, you know, that's, that's kind of how it goes with us. And you know, it's, it's such a passion for us that we're the most active person. Are you still playing in that dynasty league? Like, is that yep. That's yep. amazing. This I is year 30. <laughs> yep. It's it's a keeper now. We moved it to a keeper from a dynasty. Okay. But it is year 30. We are in our 30th year right now. That is incredible. I have a very weird path into football, which to be clear, like mm-hmm. who who what's the normal path into becoming an analyst? Yeah, right. But but still, like I did not grow up a sports fan. I did not well, I mean sort of, but not certainly not football. My household has no affiliations with any teams. So I got into it strictly through fantasy and no like rooting for teams. And it certainly was very recent in comparison to everyone else. So I really miss out on some of these like cool stories when you're like, (laughs) oh, I was 12 and I got into fantasy football and I was like, oh, I was like 24. (laughs) (laughs) We all have our own paths for so many things in life. (laughs) Well, that is a really cool story and just so cool that you're still playing in that league. What (laughs) are the best and worst parts about playing fantasy football for you? Uh, oof, wow. The best parts, just the camaraderie, the closeness with my friends, the like live drafts. It, when we have our live drafts, it's, it's the best. We spend the whole day just hanging out, seeing each other that, you know, friends for years. Um, uh, it's, it's the community for me, the fantasy football, like the, the best parts of the community, the interacting, the getting to know tons of different people who have the same interests as you. It's uh, when I go to these conferences and, and different analyst events or whatever, just meeting people that we immediately have this friendship thing we can talk about because we all have the same passion. Um, things I don't like, honestly, I, I, I don't know what I don't like. Maybe just that it's a grind that you're never off. It's a 24 seven. There's always something going on in the NFL world. I totally understand that. First with the live drafts thing, very jealous. I've never done like a, a traditional live draft just because, you know, like, like what I said, and even like in the leagues that I've been in, I kind of was, we were drafting in the same room, but we were on laptops and not everyone was there. So that was yeah. kind of like the only like live draft situation. The cool story that came out of that was someone threw up <laughs> the draft, which I thought was funny. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah, I definitely missed out on that. I would say like, for me, the worst part is just sometimes like the trolls and social media yeah. and stuff, oh, yeah. just being on like the side of giving advice. And certainly like you're held to such a high standard. Someone came at me and said like, oh, I'm not taking anything that you say seriously because uh, of your trash Alex Collins take a couple weeks ago when at, like everyone was putting Alex Collins in their lineups for the Thursday yep. night game against the Rams. Yep. And I didn't even say, hey, go out there and start him. I said, I'm in the unfortunate situation where I have to start him and Samaj P. Ryan. (laughs) And this is just like funny because you obviously can't appease everyone. And it's just it's a grind. And I I know, you know, the the feeling of like the trolls and the mocking and just the toxicity of social media. Yeah, they they expect far too much for it considering they're the one that presses the button on the lineup and makes the decision. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can only give you the advice that I, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the data that I have in front of me, hindsight's yep. 2020, of course, like it's, it's, it's very tough, but it's also the best. So as you know, um, <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay, well, jumping into actual football stuff, we're going to kick it off with a segment called The Burn Book, which is, of course, a Mean Girls reference. 
So as fantasy managers, it's so easy to have recency bias, especially if a player has burned us either due to injuries or a bad week. So we are going to run through five players and I'd like you to briefly tell us how confident you are in that player moving forward or if they are in your bird book. So the first player is Julio Jones. He's back from this hamstring injury, but is he really? He's had one good game all year. He had 128 yards in that game, but his other finishes have been well outside of the fantasy relevant spectrum. Are you putting Julio in your burn book? Uh, no, not yet. He's just too good after the catch. We saw that on a couple plays this this last week. He can still make those sideline grabs. We saw one of those this week. Uh, he's just too good. I feel like once I feel like a lot of it stems from Tannehill is just having a really off year. He's not mm-hmm. as efficient as he's been in the last couple of years. And if he starts to turn that around, I think it's going to come with Julio and Julio just hasn't been fully healthy yet. Um, yeah, I can't, I can't put him there yet. There are other guys that I would, but it there's some, there's concerns. I'm definitely concerned. I have him in one league and I think part of that is why I'm like not ready to move on from him because I actually don't have better options in that league. So I'm just rolling him out every single week. And yeah. you're right. Like the, 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 the potential is there and he's just a guy that I am just, I found myself making excuses for all season, whether yeah. it's Tannehill, whether it's the offensive line, whether it's uh, just that he's injured. So I'm, I'm really hoping that, down the stretch, he'll get healthy and we'll kind of see this offense go into full swing and, and really get its rhythm and not just be 300 carries for, for uh Derek Henry every game or something like that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's part of the problem too, with it, yeah. like the 50, 60 snaps a game for, for that offense and 30 or Derek Henry, like it's not leaving a lot of room for other people. Absolutely. Um, do you have a lot of exposure to Derek Henry? Uh, I have, I have an okay amount. Yeah. I, I have him in a few leagues. I only play in uh, about 10 leagues this year that set lineups and I have him in, I think three or so. Nice. So that's, that's enough. <laughs> that's I, do, I don't have him in any leagues and that mm-hmm. wasn't intentional. That was just, I only do one salary cap draft and he was kept in that league. And then the other ones, mm-hmm. I just didn't have the pick that like made right. sense at the time. Like I either yeah. had the one pick, which I had in Scott Fishball and then, or I had like a back end pick or something. So right. it just, anyway, the next guy we're going to talk about, he's on this segment every single week. And I mean, I should just move on from him, but it's Alan Robinson. Uh, yeah. I thought this would be the game like all week. I talked about this is the game for Darnell Mooney. It's the game for Allen Robinson. And of course, it's the game for Justin Fields because the Bucks secondary is trash. And unfortunately, Allen Robinson is wide receiver, wide receiver 60 and half PPR this season. Maybe it's Fields. Maybe it's Nagy. Maybe it's A-Rob not getting separation from uh, defenders. But is A-Rob in your burn book? Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> it's uh, who would have thought that uh, Justin Fields and Matt Nagy have completely made him not a fantasy viable player. Uh, I just don't see how this offense is going to turn around. Like I can, I can, I can look at the Titans and say, Derek Henry runs a little less going forward. Tannehill is having a really off year. He just steps it up a little and you can raise Julio's bar. I just, I just don't see that this bears offense looks terrible. It just looks really terrible right now. And I, I don't, I don't see much of a path for it to get much better on it at, at the current moment. 
It's tough because I spent the whole preseason draft season talking about how I thought Justin Fields should be the number three overall pick and how once he went there, I was thinking, finally, Allen Robinson has a real quarterback and this will be like he's free from Mitch Trubisky and Blake Bortles and all this trash quarterback play. And of course, it's like this is the guy that A-Rob can't perform with. He makes some really, really nice throws. I would have, I expected like you did so much better. I, I dropped him in so many leagues over the last couple of weeks. And I feel bad because I feel like I sabotaged the people who picked him up. <laughs> they went and started him this week. But, <laughs> That's funny. Um, um, yeah, I have a, I have a league. It's a very deep league uh, with like really deep benches. So there's no one on waivers. Like right. guys like Davis Mills are not even available. So, <laughs> uh, so anyway, I, drafted Russ and Justin Fields thinking that that was a fire quarterback crew. It's only a one quarterback league. So I was like, I I don't have to start fields like yet. And of course lost Russ and I am flailing in that league. now. I think I went four and oh, and now I've lost like the last three. So um, that is just absolutely brutal. I have had to start fields. I did pick up Case Keenum and didn't play him. And then, Obviously yeah. should have, but even then, like that's, I think Case Keenum had like 12 points. So right. not a lot of options. If you're in these like really deep leagues, like sometimes if you lose like a major player in a league like that, like it's really hard to overcome if you can't make a trade. And in a lot of like leagues like that, I just feel like people don't want to trade. They always think that they're getting taken advantage of or whatever. So it's very hard to make trades. I'm hoping that, I don't know, that I can just <laughs> stay afloat. <laughs> make it work, stay afloat, stay, stay in the thick of it until you can, yeah, Russ comes back or whatever. Pretty much, yeah. Um, all right, well, A-Rob's in our burn book. Um, yes. Next is Odell Beckham. He has had a couple of decent games here and there. Like he looks really good in his first game. And I was like, oh, this is like the vintage Odell. Mm-hmm. Nothing stellar, though. He's currently wide receiver 77 through seven games, so he missed a few games at the beginning. Um, is Beckham droppable at this point? Is he in your burn Oof. book? What are you doing with him right now? I don't know that he's droppable. That's that's a step too far, or either that or I just play in shallower league or deeper leagues, you know, where it's just it makes no sense to drop him. Uh, but he's he's burn burnable for me. Like it maybe you make a good point that maybe he's droppable and that then I don't have to make that decision <laughs> weekly anymore. And someone else can have to deal with it. But uh, he's, he's a right above Al, He's right in that Allen Robinson range where um, neither of them seem to be the top target on their team anymore. Yeah. It, like it seems like fields is preferring Mooney and it seems like uh, you know, once at least the last couple of years, Baker preferred Landry and that's so much, so much running game in that uh, on that offense. Um, and Stefanski coming from Minnesota, he's very a run game guy. Um, yeah, I, I have trouble starting in most weeks. He's pretty burnable for me. I feel the same way. Like you said, it's just an offense that is too run heavy for me. And, uh, just, I mean, the quarterback play hasn't necessarily been there for him to be him to shine. And now Jarvis is back. So I am not excited about starting him in any leagues that I have. Um, Next up is Antonio Gibson. Now, this one is not totally fair, considering Gibson is extremely (laughs) banged up. He's got a fractured chin that he said, like, doesn't really bother him. Um, But he outtouched J.D. McKissick this week, but McKissick outscored him. And outsnapped him, too. Yeah. Is Gibson outside of your top 24 until he gets healthy? I don't think so. Because, and this is 
purely because I think the game script was much better to have McKissick in this last week. And this upcoming week, they get a Denver team who allowed like 60 and a touch to like, uh, like at least 60 and a touchdown to the last four running backs. They faced a couple of them over a hundred, like Najee Harris went over a hundred and um, yeah, it's, this, this is, and Durnus Johnson went over a hundred and a touchdown. Uh, it's, it's a, it's a beatable defense he's got this week and then he gets the buy. So I would have him in my top 24 this week. Then he gets a buy and hopefully he's healed up by then. And then we got the rest of the schedule. So I, I, I still think he's, he's, going to be in my top 24 like running backs are so thin right now it's hard not to make the top 24 <laughs> understood yeah i mean there it's just warm bodies at this point that you're putting in your rankings like it's it's like you're like oh well he's not a top he's not an rb2 and then you think about it like name 23 running backs that are better than him right, right now and you're like i can't <laughs> um, there's obviously been so many injuries and with him it's it's frustrating because the first game when it was revealed that he was like dealing with the injury he had 20 carries in that yeah. game and i i guess i was just like oh well like he's fine i guess he's playing through right. it just a flesh wound right but yeah. <laughs> uh, but apparently it is definitely really bothering him so hopefully like you said, he's able to sort of heal up through the bye and, um, you know, regain yeah. his his spot as the top running back on that team. They did give him a couple of carries inside the five this last week. Like if he hits on one of those, that maybe we're not having this conversation, you know? Totally. I agree. Uh, he After the bye, he does get the Bucks and Panthers, though. So that's a little rough. But uh, yeah, no, he's he's definitely a top 20 guy still for me. Speaking of the Panthers, okay, that is my team. <laughs> <laughs> and oh my goodness, I thought that game was going to end five three. By the way, <laughs> like, for a while, and I just I was I was watching Red Zone obviously, and I was like, I haven't seen the Panthers on here in a while. Uh, it's just embarrassing. I don't know what's going on if they just like can't they don't have their groove without CMC. If it's Sam Darnold, if it's the coaching staff, but. They looked so lost yesterday and it was just painful. Like I saw Sam Darnold throw it like the one time that they switched to red zone. I was like, oh, they're on. And then he like chucks it up in the air. And like the moment the ball leaves his hand, I'm like, oh, it's going to get intercepted (laughs) and it gets intercepted. And it was just like right to James Bradbury. And it was just like, just so painful because he's obviously a former Panther too. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, uh, that we were definitely a very fraudulent three and O team. Let's just leave it at that. (laughs) Um, All right. The final guy we're going to talk about is Mike Davis. He is RB 40 and half PPR after a one point game in week seven, largely been a disappointment for fans. He is a guy, I will say that I ended up with a couple shares of him only because he was dropping so, so far in drafts. Now, obviously he's like confirmation bias. He didn't deserve to be drafted there, but like, I thought he was good value because everyone was kind of down on him. And I thought it had gone like too far in one direction, whatever it stinks. I was kind of wrong about this Falcons offense in general. He's kind of in my burn book. Does he belong in our burn books? What say you? I say that we're seven weeks late to that party. I <laughs> I did not draft him in a single league or a single best ball league. Like I just, okay. I, I, I was never a believer. I, I think that the only case that was being made for him was he's the only guy and he's going to get volume. 
And that's generally not something like I want to go for the talented guy. And it's just not something that I felt. I felt like they could just go away from the run a lot or it would become a platoon or uh, watching Mike Davis for the Panthers last year. You, you saw he started out really hot, but then like his efficiency started going down. He didn't look as good as the games went on. And I just couldn't imagine that for a full season. Obviously I didn't predict this Cordell Patterson thing. (laughs) I I did not have on my bingo card for this season. I had a couple late, late shots at him, like uh, him in a couple leagues just from late end of draft. Oh, wow. That, that really paid off, but I did not see this coming at all. Does that hurt you as a Vikings fan with a year nine? It, do, it does. It does. No, it really does. It's, it's something that a lot of Vikings fans have talked about that we just never utilized him right. And it, it makes it, I guess it makes me feel better that like even new England, like started the path of utilizing him a little bit better and stuff. But like, I feel like this was always in the cards for him and, and just nobody figured out how to use him until now. It's, it's frustrating to see. That's fair. I think obviously the talent was there. I'm surprised that it's Arthur Smith that figured right. out how to use him just because we saw him like run it up the mill 800 times a game with Derek Henry. He right, exactly. strike me as the most like innovative coach and it just you know i mean it's cool to see though like it's absolutely a really really cool story and cool for fantasy and exciting i'll I'll make i'll make a slightly a slight sidetrack on arthur smith i we he was there so short we don't know like maybe he's the kind of guy that realizes the talent he has and he's like this is what I need to do with the talent I have. Mm-hmm. So like, that would be my argument that maybe Arthur Smith saw what Derrick Henry did. And he's like, this is what we're going to do with Derrick Henry. And what we did with Ryan Tannehill. And when he moved to Atlanta, he's like, I got these different pieces. How do I make these work? And now we're seeing Patterson and Pitts finally, you know, start to make hay after a few games, you know? So, yeah, um, I, I, and you might be right. That's what Arthur, maybe he's uncreative and, <laughs> and that's, that's what he was in Tennessee. But I think the other side is maybe he just, you know, sits and tries to figure out how to utilize the pieces he has best. I mean, that's what good coaches do. Obviously the personnel is going to be different everywhere you go. And I think that's what separates like the good coaches from the great coaches to figure out how to wield the weapons that you have at your disposal. Cause a lot of that isn't necessarily in your control. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, uh, Mike Davis burned, Um, which should have happened seven weeks ago. (laughs) I agree with you. I'm embarrassed, but that that I'll take the L for. Um, no, he's sabotage drop worthy. Like, I feel like you can drop him. Someone's going to pick him up and try to start him. And it's not going to end well for that. team. You know, like he's That's fair, yeah. he is actually is droppable. Yeah, he is poisonous. I don't need him on in my life right now. Next up here on the Fantasy Flex is our elite entry segment, where I am going to dive into the prize picks app to build some entries. I'm going to identify some markets I like. You build your own prize picks entries and all of us have a little fun and make some money. So today I'm going to look at four week eight quarterback plays on prize picks. The first play that I like is Daniel Jones over 260 and a half passing yards on the road in Kansas City. Jones had a fairly lackluster game against the Panthers with just 203 passing yards and one touchdown. They obviously did pick up the win. And I think he does bounce back in a big way against the Chiefs who seem to not be able to guard against anything. They have one of the worst defenses right now. Last week, Ryan Tannehill, who had been QB 19, 
through six weeks. Still passed for 270 yards with some miscues. The Giants can't lean on the run like the Titans can. And if the team gets at least one of their hurt receivers back in Kenny Galladay, Sterling Shepard, Kadarius Toney, I think this definitely smashes the over in what could be a bonanza game. The next play that I like is Matt Jones under 255 and a half passing yards on the road against the Chargers. So Jones is coming off of his best game to date, where he did surpass 300 yards for the first time this year. Obviously, that under did not hit, but I'm going to go under once again because I think it's unlikely that the Patriots score 52 points in a game again this year. And when they did, it's not like Jones blew the doors off. He completed 24 of 36 for 307 yards, two touchdowns and zero interceptions. But toss in the fact that the Chargers are going to be well-rested coming off of their Week 7 bye and are allowing the fourth-fewest passing yards in the NFL, it's definitely an under for me. Another one that I like is Tua Tungabailoa, under 230.5 passing yards on the road in Buffalo. Tua missed most of their first meeting after suffering a hip injury in Week 2. He had four attempts in that game, so certainly can't go off that. And he's done pretty well for himself over the last two weeks since coming back from the injury. That said, he's played Jacksonville and Atlanta, two of the worst pass defenses in the NFL. He has an opponent on the other side of the spectrum this week in the Bills, who are giving up an NFL low 180.5 passing yards per game this year. I could definitely see him struggling on the road in Buffalo. The last one that I like is Kirk Cousins, over 289.5 passing yards at home versus the Cowboys. As good as the secondary has been, it's gotten a lot of PR. It's really the Trayvon Big show, and this team has allowed the fifth most passing yards this year. Meanwhile, Cousins has also been playing phenomenal football. I think credit where credit is due. He's just a guy that is underrated, averaging 295 um, passing yards per game. He's also coming off of a very strong outing against a better defense in Carolina. I think this game is going to be very high scoring and Cousins will crush the over. All right, so that is our elite entry today, going with Daniel Jones, over 216 and a half passing yards on the road in Kansas City. Mac Jones, under 255 and a half passing yards on the road against the Chargers. Tua Tungo Bailoa, under 230 and a half passing yards on the road in Buffalo. And Kirk Cousins, over 289 and a half passing yards at home versus the Cowboys. As a reminder, you can mix and match fantasy points and player props to make your lineups super spicy. Also, prize picks markets move, so you're going to want to be nimble to lock in the best numbers and make your picks as soon as possible. If you have not created a PrizePix account yet, please check out the link in our episode description because PrizePix has a special offer for Fantasy Flex listeners. They're going to match your first deposit up to $100. Just click the link in our episode description or visit prizepix.com and use the promo code ACTION10. All right, let us just keep it moving here on 21 Questions with the one and only Scott Fish. Um, All right, that will do it for the burn book. Our next segment is called full send or that's cap, which is sort of the opposite one. Full send. I'm not trying to like explain this to you because I'm I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about. I'm a Minnesota boy. We have in in Minnesota snowmobiling. Okay. You talk about full full send jumps and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's an extreme sport thing. Like you go full send, you're like head first. I'm totally into it. And then that's cap means the opposite. Like it's that's not real. It's a mirage or whatever. So I'm going to give you five players whose values are on the rise and i want to know are you sending it on this player 
or is that cat? Wait, first side note, do you snowmobile? And like, are you a really like, do you do cool stuff? I, I, I don't anymore. I don't do a lot of the, the cool stuff I probably did when I was younger or, or whatever. Now I'm more of a stay at home family guy. We go on a lot of hikes because our backyard is a, a, a regional park like a oh, that's you so know, cool. hiking trails and it's all wooded. That's the, our backyard has a trail leading into all these trails and stuff. So I'm more of that guy now. <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. I have never been on a sm- snowmobile as snow and mountainy as I am. So mm-hmm. hoping that is something that I get to try. It looks so, so cool. So mm-hmm. yep. I'm definitely very jealous. All right. The first player we're going to talk about is Joe Burrow. I was super high on Burrow going into this week though. Even I did not expect to see that performance. He completed 23 of 38 for 416 yards, three touchdowns and one interception. I know we're going full send on Jamar Chase. Like he's absolutely a stud. He could be the one-on-one in dynasty, but are we going full send on Joe Burrow as a QB one rest of season? I mean, it's hard not to. He's got like, I think he's the only quarterback in the NFL with multiple touchdown passes in every single game at this point. That's I, an amazing pretty, I love I'm, that. I'm pretty sure he is. Um, I'm pretty sure he was going into the week and then he threw three more. Uh, I, I am definitely false end on him. I, I just, I, I don't see how you're not. It, once he gets a better, like, it seems like every once in a while when he's targeting, you know, other players like Higgins and Boyd, like it's like, for some reason, the connection isn't there. Like it's there with yeah. Chase, which is weird because he played with those two guys all of last year. Like right? people talk about, he played with Chase in college. Well, he played with Higgins and Boyd last year too. Like, yeah. There should be a connection there, but uh, no, it, the, the offense just has too many good pieces. The defense is good enough to get them the ball a decent amount. The, the only problem I do have is they play one of the slowest paces in the NFL. And, and you think that that might cap them at some point, but it hasn't yet. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm in on Joe Burrow. <laughs> I love that. This Bengals team has been one of the best, I think, surprises, not necessarily. I think we knew he, they were going to be better if Joe Burrow was healthy and then plus Jamar Chase. But, you know, they got a lot of flack for obviously not taking um, Penny Sewell and yeah. just like, I don't think that people necessarily thought of them as a contender. And now they're out there beating the Ravens and it's incredible to watch. They are really, really good. And like you said, they are pretty well-rounded. I think the defense has been a really good surprise in terms of like, I don't think I thought that they were, they were going to have a great defense this year. So certainly uh, I am going full send on Joe Burrow. I have been a fan of his for a while, so I'm excited to see him. Um, the next guy we're going to talk about is Kenny Gainwell found the end zone for the third time this year and had the most running back touches that was partially due to Miles Sanders getting banged up in the game. They said that he's didn't break any bones, but there's a good chance that he will miss time. Are we going full send on Gainwell as a viable flex play? And if Sanders misses time, maybe like an RB two. That that's what it is. It's it, it feels more like a half send to me. Like it feels like a full send for the next week or two. Um, but I feel like it's I feel like it's still much more Sanders' job. He, he was getting 70-80% of the the snap percent snaps uh played the last two weeks before the injury, and it seemed like they were starting out that way in this one. Um I, I, th- I think he's going to be a great option for the next couple of weeks. Like they, they clearly trust him. They clearly like him in the, in the past game, they're targeting him almost four targets a game, something mm-hmm. like that. And that, that was 
as a backup to Miles Sanders, he was he was getting that. So for the next couple of weeks, sure, uh, sure, as long as long as Miles Sanders is out, it's it's kind of a a half answer. But I mean, he's he he gets the Raiders, he gets the Chargers, he gets the Lions, he gets the Broncos. I might have gotten the order of those wrong, but those like those are very beatable run defenses. <laughs> so uh, definitely false send for the next few weeks at least. Yeah, I'm excited about him. He's a guy that I've been pumping up for a while. I took him in a keeper league and I'm, I was like kind of hoping that there would be some value there. Maybe not necessarily, but I think right now for bye week fill-ins and like you said, for the next couple of weeks, he could mm-hmm. definitely be a viable play. Um, so I'm definitely excited about that. Miles Sanders is frustrating. He's like, he's like borderline in my burn book. And I didn't want to put right. him in that segment because he's hurt. And that's kind of maybe like not necessarily his fault. And now he's, he had an off game, but still he is, he's like burden book adjacent. What's really next. annoying is like, he was a buy candidate for me. Like I was, I was all in on the next, you know, with that schedule, the next few weeks of Miles Sanders and now the injury, like, yeah, it's either Either he's not performing or now he's injured. Like it's, it's something. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super frustrating case with him. He's a guy that I definitely avoided in drafts and I'm kind of happy about that just because I think it's probably a headache, kind of like a Mike Davis headache. So win some, lose some. Um, The next guy we're going to talk about is Khalil Herbert. And I already talked about him, how he sat on my bench and uh, posted a 100 guard game in a brutal week seven matchup against the Buccaneers. Um, While Damian Williams was barely featured, I feel like he had like a couple carries or something. I don't, I don't know the stat line, but are we going full send on Herbert until Montgomery gets back? It's hard not to what he did with the Bucks. I mean, until Montgomery, this is the same as Gainwell. It's until Montgomery gets back because then I, I think it's a timeshare. I I, <laughs> I feel like he's earned his way into ten plus catch ten plus touches a game when Montgomery gets back, and I wouldn't be surprised if if they're both like just completely splitting time. And honestly, it's it it's almost to the point where I feel like it made Montgomery expendable once, once he's done with it, once his contract's up with the bears, uh, I'm full send for the next couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that it was almost like last week with Daryl Williams that not, not necessarily like that I'm full send on him, but that it's enough to worry me if I am the manager for CEH or in this case, if I have David Montgomery, that this is me, maybe the bigger takeaway that they may be in some kind of timeshare when they get back. And that is obviously the worst thing for fantasy football and running backs. So uh, yeah, I uh, will definitely be playing him next week in the leagues that I still have him. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll just whip myself for the rest of it. But yeah, um, the next here we're going to talk about is Michael Pittman Jr. He's had a couple of strong games this year coming off of a 100 yard game with a touchdown was out targeted by Zach Pascal. And this was without T.Y. Hilton. Are you going full send on Pittman as the undisputed wide receiver one in this offense and a viable fantasy asset? Or is trusting a Wentz wielded wideout cap? <laughs> you know, I felt better about Pittman earlier in the season when he was averaging like eight to ten targets a game. Yeah. The last few have been like three targets, four targets. He's yeah. he's making something work with them, but oh man, I it, it God, it's it's right in the middle. Um, I 
I think he's the wide receiver one and I think he's good as long as he gets targeted. I get, I guess uh, I can't, it's one of those, I can't go full send, but I, I don't, I don't think it's cap either. I, I think it's legit. <laughs> I think he's a legit good wide receiver. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's the, what I'm full send on is his talent, which I was full send on last year too. And obviously yeah. he got banged up and whatnot, but What's cap is I think the volume in this offense is yeah. just isn't there for me to really trust him. Like same thing with like, I mean, like Mo Ali Cox, who is a guy that a lot of people probably added for, for uh, bye weeks or, or whatever, or injury mm-hmm. fill-ins and he did well, but it's like on very few targets and yeah, yeah they're making it catches. work with, with no targets, but that's just not necessarily sustainable long-term. Right. Yeah. I, I, yeah, that's, that's, a perfect way to put it. All right. Uh, on to our final player is a guy that's very close to my heart. Who, <laughs> a guy that I would say that I took a lot of flack for taking him at 401 in the Scott Fishbowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Kyle Pitts. But it is finally pit season, and I yes. am here for it. Yep. After a fairly slow start, he's crushed 100 yards in each of his last two games. My only potential concern is... Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley now both being healthy and potentially siphoning targets away from him. But are we going full send on pits? Like this is the guy that we were hoping to see. Yep. This is the guy that deserved to be drafted as to the, you know, tight end four or whatever. Um, are we going full send on him? hundred percent. It's, it's not even, it's not even debatable at this point for me. He's, I, I had moved, I had him at tight end five for the longest time this off season. I feel like, I feel like a lot of that was just, he's a rookie. There's you know, mm-hmm. lots of things to it. And, and I moved him up to tight end three uh, ahead of Kittle. Oh, wow. uh, I just felt it was too many mouths to feed in, in San Francisco and they run just too much. I didn't think the volume would be there um, b- right before the season. And I was very vocal about stop making t- historical tight end arguments about him. Yes. Just like he doesn't fit in with guys that were drafted 14 years ago. The, the, the landscape has completely changed. He plays out wide, like, 70 plus percent of the time he's he's not a traditional tight end you just stop making those arguments i felt it was a little bit lazy honestly i felt that was a lazy argument you want to tell me you don't believe arthur smith arthur smith's offense is going to feed him or or there's too much with ridley and there's not going to be enough time make those arguments don't make the historical tight end argument that's stuff from 15 years ago doesn't matter to me um but that said, he's on pace to break all those records now. And that's what, that's what it is. I think they've finally realized how to make him a focal point in the, in the, in the offense. They've got his little four game window that Justin Jefferson had that a lot of wide receivers come into the league and they need a few, few games to get behind them. And then they're good to go. I think he's good to go for the rest of the season and he's going to shatter some of those tight end records. I love to hear that because for a number of reasons, first, the early part of the season, like you said, I mean, there is an adjustment period for guys like that. And people were so quick to write him off. They were like, he's going to be the biggest bust. And look at this, like, like, can't believe that you drafted a tight, like a first year tight end and expected anything out of it. Now I was all over the Kyle Pitts trade all preseason. I like even wrote an article about like a, like a debate type article with someone at mm-hmm. action, like a playful one, uh, just, you know, and, one of the major things was 
his body size and his athleticism and all those things compared so closely to Travis Kelsey and Kelsey missed his first year, mostly due to injury. And then his actual first full season, he was phenomenal. And I was like, this is the analog. You guys are comparing something that's just like the, a role that's not necessarily the one he's going to play. All his sort of criticism coming out of college was that he wasn't good at blocking and all that. And I was like, if they use him as a blocker, that is criminal. They're not going to take him that early and use him as a blocker and not right. use him as an outside receiver. And he's just like a, a big dude. And, and I'm, I'm just so excited to, to oh. see him blossom right now. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful thing to watch. And and there were so many people vocal those first couple of weeks about, yeah. Oh, what's, what's your unicorn now? And I'm, I've restrained <laughs> talking to any about it because I don't want a victory lap on him, but I just, it's, this is what he's going to be. He's going to be, he's going to have down weeks. He'll have some down weeks. They all do. Hawkinson does. Waller does. I mean, Kelsey, a few weeks ago against the Eagles went four catches for 23 yards when they had slay cover in most of the game, he's going to have down games. He'll have more down games this year, but he's, he's going to be more up in that one, two, three tight end upper echelon for the rest of hopefully his career, but I, I like him a lot this year. Love to see it. Uh, yeah. By the way, people that are taking victory laps on a guy not performing two weeks into his NFL career need to just yeah. go away. Victory <laughs> yeah. laps in general, they're like, like no. the really grandiose ones, especially right. like, like the ones that are like, you drafted Kyle Pitts early, like couldn't be me. And like, I hate that <laughs> oh, phrase yeah. that drives me nuts. Yes. Uh, just a lot of that dunking on people. I think you, there's a way to talk about things and make it a discussion. And that's not one of them. That's not Absolutely. productive in any way to me. Yep. Um, all right, Scott, we have eight more rapid fire questions and I will get you back to your construction, everything <laughs> going on in your life. Um, question 13 is name one player. You just can't quit or you always find yourself making excuses for. So for me, that is Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon, the football player, not the human necessarily. Oh boy. One player that I just can't quit. I always make excuses for, Oh man, this is a tough one. Chris <laughs> Powers gonna... told me his was Julio. Yeah. I'm like I'm going to my leagues real quick to see if, if there's <laughs> one that that really, and it's usually like a deeper player. Like I'm the guy that is always rostering like super deep tight ends, like your Donald Parham's and your guys like that. And Tanyan before he exploded. But um, I'm trying to think of someone that I, that's, that's, that I just can't quit. They, they should be rapid fire. Right. And I'm doing a terrible job at the rapid fire part of take this. your own pace with this one. It's, it's a, it's definitely a weird question. It's just like, it's a guy that like, I make TikToks about how totally blind I am about like, just he's obviously underperformed in almost every season that we've seen him. But this season I was like, mm, it's, it's okay. This is the year, this is mixing season. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's had a number of good games, so I'm not victory lapping necessarily, but uh, I'm not quitting him yet. <laughs> uh, well, I guess if it's going to be someone that's, that's down right now, I, I, w I was going to say, you know, I love, I, I just can't ever seem to quit Cortland Sutton. Cause when he's, when he's on, he's on and um, he's, he's just not, he, you know, he's been okay this year, but I was going to go a little deeper and I was going to say Gabriel Davis. I just, and Ooh, Preston yeah. Williams, I, I love those guys talent and they just can't seem to find a spot. And also their teams keep bringing in wide receivers to play over them. Yeah. So if it's going to be someone deeper, it's got to be Gabriel Davis or Preston Williams or guys like that, that I just, 
just, I just love their potential and they just, they just can't get on the field. I totally agree. Davis was a guy that I was pumping up as a sleeper. He was like up there with like Darnell Mooney, also a guy that I, yeah. Amon Ra, yeah. St. Brown, also a guy oh that gosh. I was, yeah, he was a guy oh, that I had on so many rosters and I did drop obviously, but I kept, I held on to him like way too long. Right. And then I was like, oh, well maybe it's Amon Ra season since um, Quintez Cephas went down and it seems like it's Khalif Raymond season Khalif. actually. <laughs> Yeah, it's the, those two. I'm I'm never gonna. I always pick the wrong. I have them both on one roster, and I always pick the wrong one to start. And I feel <laughs> like that's that's going to be the whole season. But, yeah, definitely frustrating with with the Gabriel Davis situation, just because like it, the logic is there. You want exposure to this high scoring Bills offense, right. and he has the the talent. But yeah, there is a lot of competition, and especially with uh, Dawson Knox breaking out. That's like mm-hmm. another mouth that they kind of need to feed and. And 35-year-old Emmanuel Sanders looking exactly. like he's 25 for some reason. Yeah, he's actually, he's young phenomenally, so for sure. All right, predict when the Vikings will win their next Super Bowl. <laughs> so, so the win, uh, wow, uh, probably never. <laughs> like, that, is, just, that is a reaction that I have never gotten, so I'm really living for this. Go on, sorry. Never, like... I just turned 42 years old last week and the Vikings have not been to a Super Bowl in my lifetime. We've been to a few NFC championships game games. We were blown out in a couple of them, uh, you know, cheated out of the saints one with the bounty gate and the, and the BS call. Yeah. Um, there, there's just like our kicking is it always screws us. Like there's, there's the, yeah, the Gary Anderson kick in 98, like, I just don't think it's going to happen in my lifetime. I just don't think it's ever going to happen, but I'm going to enjoy the ride. Totally understood. (laughs) I mean, you have a lot of good pieces right now, but it takes obviously an extraordinary team to get there. So it's funny because I've had a lot of Bears fans on this podcast for whatever reason. Like I had Adam Rank. I had uh, my friend uh, Jeremy Layton and yesterday, oh, Andy Barron's was on last week. And he's obviously a huge Bears fan and the range of answers is out there, but I feel like someone said like in two years. So, yeah, so they're, they're obviously full in on fields. Um, It just very much enjoyed that reaction. So I feel the same way about my Panthers. I think when I became a fan, it was the year that the Panthers were really good. And I think that's the best I'm going to see for a really long time. So uh, unfortunate, but we, you know, such as football, Uh, give us one Vikings player who you think is underrated for fantasy. Probably Tyler Conklin, if it has to be, because Jefferson and Thielen and Cousins is always underrated, though. Like, it feels like Cousins is constantly putting up at least, yeah, most weeks it feels like he's putting up top 12 type of numbers. I think he ended last season as a top 13 guy. He's put up a really, it's it's probably truthfully Cousins. It feels like he's, every year people just don't seem to like him, but he puts up so many really, really good fantasy performances. I would want to say Conklin because I feel like he's better than people think, but it's got to be Cousins. What are your thoughts on KJ Osborne? Uh, I think he's good. I think he's really good. He makes some really, really good highlight level, like sideline plays, good catches there. There's a reason he flat out uh, beat everyone out for that third wide receiver role. And he's on the field, you know, 60, 70% of the snaps. Cause he is very clearly, you could make an argument. He's the best third receiver we've had for the better part of a decade, maybe more. 
you know, maybe, maybe almost two decades, maybe back to the, the, the Moss Carter, Jake Reed days. Like it's been a while since we had a number three that, that looks as good as he does on the field, but he's going to be inconsistent in this offense. We it's, it's tough for us to, to support three wide receivers. Understood. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a little salty about him, obviously, since he made the game winning catch after against yeah. my Carolina Panthers, but I do have him on a couple leagues. So kind of hanging on to him, seeing if, uh, <laughs> He has a little bit of a breakout season down the stretch. Uh, let's Those go- good spots. He plays the Cowboys next, the ne- their next game. That's that's a good defense for him to match up. Yeah, because like Trayvon Diggs, I was like, he'll be obviously very occupied with the other receivers, and I feel right. like their other corners are just not there. So I think that yeah. would be maybe a good game for for mm-hmm. him, or maybe even Thielen. Um, was Joe Flacco ever elite? Yes or no? three games maybe four <laughs> games like <laughs> that run and and you could you could make arguments about that run it, it, as well but he really bet on himself there but uh, not outside of that like he was a he was a good you know starting quarterback that was good enough to be a starting quarterback in the league well fair enough i think most people have said like Something like your answer. I think most people have given like a six game stretch. He was league. Yeah. So uh, I, I pretty much agree with you there. Um, how many Vikings players will finish at the top five in their respective positions for fantasy this year? Yes. <sighs> top five at their position. Uh, if it's points for game, <laughs> maybe two. Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook would have a really good shot. And, and I think Justin Jefferson could get there. Um yeah, in points per game, I think you could make a really good case for two of them, but I, I think Cook just keeps missing time, so I don't I don't know that that's going to happen. Yeah, definitely hoping that he gets healthy, though I have Madison on a lot of rosters, and I don't have Cook. He's just a guy that I targeted. Um, who should manager's top waiver ad be this week? Oh, wow. I have not, I have not dug into that at all. Um, I think, uh, I think we just mentioned one. I think Raymond is just getting way too many targets to ignore at this point. And they're going to be in negative game scripts all the yeah. time. Um, so he's got to be, he's got to be right up there. I feel like the other guys that we would mention, like uh, Herbert's picked up everywhere. Dernis yeah. Johnson was picked up everywhere before that game. I mean, I, I think you're going to have to go pretty deep to find someone else. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, Kenny Gainwell could be an interesting ad. I don't, I think yeah. he's probably under 50% roster or like right around there. So uh, certainly could be an interesting ad if we yeah, see that Miles Sanders misses time. Yeah. That's, that's a really good one. He was 31% last Tuesday. Okay. When, when, gotcha. I, when I looked into that last Tuesday. So, okay. Um, yeah. So I think he'll, he'll, he'll be a decent one, but um, yeah, Khalif Raymond, definitely a guy that I have my eye on in a lot of leagues where I am. My problem is I I'm constantly looking at a deeper, like my, way too deep. He's like mm-hmm. 3% or 5% rostered. Fair enough. Um, well, you know, a lot of people play in deep leagues and yeah. they need those guys. Um, give me one player who you think is primed for a big fantasy season next year. Ooh, big fantasy season next year. Uh, I think I'm going to go with a guy that it should have been this year, but I think it happens next year now in Jerry Judy. I feel like they maybe address their quarterback situation a little bit better and he's got a full healthy season ahead of him. I, I think next year might end up being his breakout. He'll, he'll be okay the rest of this year, but he'll be coming off injury. So yeah, I'll, I'll just say Judy for next year, I guess. My pick for 
that would probably be same team and it's going to be Javante Williams. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, he is like my breakout guy. I always knew it was not going to be this year. And everyone's like, oh, no, this is the Javante game. And I'm like, it's probably not the Javante game <laughs> Like until right. Melvin Gordon goes away. So yes. um, not to one. this is not necessarily a dig at any kicking. But uh, how many times would it take you to make an extra point? Oh, I don't think I could have one. <laughs> I have, I have tried, I have, I have tried kicking and I, I can, I've hit field goals from, you know, 20 plus out, like 20 yards, still about 30 out or so. Um, but man, that would be really hard. I, I believe it's what a 33 yarder. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that, whew, that would, mm, that would take a lot. I let's go with eight attempts. Okay. Like, I, I feel like maybe I'd get lucky on one of them. That's not that many. Like you could throw me out there and say like $1 million make the extra point and it would, I don't know, hundreds. Like, I don't think that I have the physical capacity to do that. So, but I've also never tried it. So it's, it's cool that you've tried it. I just have never had the opportunity. Um, Finally, if you had one cardinal rule to tell someone just getting into fantasy this year, what would it be? It depends on if, if we're talking about, you know, like if they're actually looking for a league, like I always, I always recommend, you know, find a league with a group of people that you enjoy um, or find a set of rules that you want to play in. Like don't, don't try to, don't try to like mishmash either one. Sometimes that works, but if you, if you're in a league with a bunch of people you, in, you enjoy hanging out with and talking to and like conversing with, and there's good commodity, no matter what the settings are, you're probably going to like the league or on the other side, you can play with people you don't like, or don't, there's not much talking if you love the settings. So like, I think you have to really like introspect and, and figure out which one of those that you is most you like, do you, which part do you want? Do you want to try something interesting or do you want to try something with, with people you like? And, and that's going to lead you to like it a lot better. I like that answer. No one has ever given like a, interesting answer like that for sure i think that's very important and very important obviously to like your league mates and just have fun with it that's i think the most important part people forget about especially in our circles but um all right that will do it for this round of 21 questions with our esteemed guest scott fish scott i can't thank you enough for joining me during this insanely busy time please tell everyone where they can find you this nfl season promote yourself whatever sure uh Scottfish24 on Twitter is where you can find most of my stuff. I'm on Fantasy Football Weekly, which is nationally syndicated on radios all over America. And it's on iHeartRadio. It's on all your podcast apps as well. Um, Safe Leagues is a commissioner service I run, but you're going to have to wait till next season to join a league, (laughs) you know, the off season to join a league. But uh, yeah, that's Scottfish24 on Twitter is where you can find most of my stuff. Scott has a fire Twitter account, so everyone should go out there and follow him. Thank you again. As a reminder, Sean Kerner and Chris Raybon are here on the Fantasy Flex every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, giving you guys all the DFS waiver wire and rankings info to help you dominate your fantasy leagues. I will be back this Thursday and every Thursday with my mailbag episodes. Speaking of which, you should email any mailbag questions to mailbag at actionnetwork.com. Thanks again for listening. Please rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. Download us wherever you like to listen, and we will see you next time on the Fantasy Bugs presented by Prize Picks. Peace out, y'all.